Welcome to the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast, the podcast that will help you find solutions for your weight concerns that will last a lifetime. Together, for you. Welcome to episode 46 of the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast. I am your host, Siobhan Key. Thanks for joining me. If you're just joining me, I am an obesity medicine physician and family physician, and I am a weight loss coach for physicians. My private coaching can take you from having behaviors that you just can't figure out that you know are impacting your weight to having solutions that you know you can keep going for the rest of your life. So weight loss coaching is not about just going on a diet. It's about figuring out the true underlying reasons why you eat the way you eat how you can make easy solutions that fit with your life that address those reasons. My program is unique in the fact that it does combine the knowledge from obesity medicine with uh, certified life coaching skills, and I really think it's the best of both worlds, and have made it be as comprehensive and as efficient as possible because I know you guys are busy. If you are interested in learning more about coaching, you can sign up for a free introductory session. Go to my website, weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca, click on the work with me tab, and you can book your free session there. There's no obligation, and uh, we just sit down and chat about what things you need and how I would best be able to help you. Looking forward to talking to you. Okay, so along those lines, today's guest is Sunny Smith. Sunny is a physician in California, and she is a life coach for physicians. She's also the host of Empowering Women Physicians podcast, and she is a medical educator. She is a clinical professor in family medicine and public health at the University of California, San Diego. Recently, there's been a lot of research, randomized control trials, looking at the power of life coaching for physicians and the impact it has on their lives and job satisfaction. And what the research is showing is that life coaching is a really powerful tool. And for those of us who are certified life coaches and have done this work with physicians and done it on ourselves, we're well aware of the benefits that it can offer, not only in the little areas that you start wanting coaching on, because often When you come to a life coach or a weight loss coach like myself, you're coming with a specific issue that's bothering you. But the beauty of life coaching is it expands and it improves everything else about your life. And it reaches into areas, not just work or not just weight, but also family, your personal enjoyment, your relationships, so many different things. And that's what we're going to talk about today in the interview with Sunny is the science behind life coaching and how it can impact you. And Sunny shares her incredible story about how she ended up coming to life coaching uh, through quite a um, horrible accident that she experienced on what was a fantastic vacation. So without further ado, let's get to the interview. All right. Welcome to the show, Sunny. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. So what I would like to do is if you could just start by letting us know how you ended up being a physician life coach. Okay. I am happy to talk about that. So it was, I'm, my path would be probably in a way have some similarities to other physicians who are coaches in that we stumbled on coaching, found it incredibly powerful, transformational in our own lives, and we're so compelled 
that we decided we wanted to do it ourselves. So that's like the common theme I find amongst all the women physician life coaches that I know. And the specifics of my story are that I was in Tahiti in Morea um, having an amazing vacation with my husband and it was Mother's Day. It was so beautiful, overwater bungalow, time of my life. And we were set to go to the next island. So my husband had asked, would you like to go up the mountain? And I was like, uh, I don't know. I'm kind of happy in this overwater bungalow. It's so beautiful. <laughs> um, but I knew it was important to him. And so we looked at ways that we could go up the mountain and look at the lookouts. There was like, you could go by moped, you could go by, I don't know, various other things that seemed incredibly dangerous to me. <laughs> and we said <laughs> that we would take um, a bicycle because they said it would be pretty safe. So the, the ladies, I said, are you sure it's safe? And she said, uh, the only thing is like, look out for dogs on the side of the road. So I thought, no big deal. So anyway, you can tell the story must be going somewhere. So I was going down the mountain and I fell off the bike. I was like right at the bottom. I got all the way up, coming all the way down. My chain had been having trouble and I stopped a couple of times and I kept saying, I think I'm going to fall, but we couldn't really figure out exactly what was going on. So I fell over the handlebars, broke my arms, broke my face, um, oh, had a concussion, was knocked out, had to Ugh. be brought back to the U.S. <laughs> and when I got back to the U.S., you know, they brought me down to San Diego. I went straight into surgery. And then I couldn't stand, sit, use either of my arms or my face. <laughs> so I couldn't eat. I couldn't go to the bathroom by myself. I couldn't shower by myself. I couldn't dress myself. I couldn't do oh, anything. Wow. And so, and I had never listened to a podcast in my whole life. So I found on PMG that people had said, you know, to consider listening to the Life Coach School. And so I did. That was the very first podcast I ever listened to. Put it on episode one. My husband had to put the earbuds in my ears because my arms were in casts from my wrists all the way up to my shoulders. Oh, wow. And in a sort of flex 90 degree position. So I just laid there and listened to like 200 podcasts on how your thoughts create your reality. And before that, you can imagine, I was pretty pissed off about getting on that bike. You know, like why, if I could just take back that moment in time, I just wanted a time machine more than anything because I, with my head injury, I got POTS, positional orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. So I, I really couldn't stand to walk up my stairs. I couldn't go walk to my kitchen. I couldn't walk anywhere. So I just thought, and there's, I looked it up. I didn't know anything about it, but it said that there was a 50% recovery rate in five years. I was hmm. like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I might be like this for five years or longer. You know, all I wanted is for it not to happen. And then one of the things that Brooke at the life coach school teaches is when is a Byron Katie type quote, that's, you know, when you argue with reality, you lose, but only a hundred percent of the time. So yeah. I started realizing I have to accept what's happened to me. And maybe it happened for a reason, or maybe I can choose to make the most of it. Um, and then just changing the way I was thinking about everything, I started to have gratitude. And thank God I'm still alive. Thank God my like mental state is still intact. Thank God there's a chance I might be able to be a doctor again. Thank goodness, you know, all these different things. And then I started to notice everyone around me was just going so fast. And I was slow for the first time in my life, right? As a physician, mm -hmm. you're never slow. You're mm -hmm. never sitting still. You're never not charting or writing letters of recommendation or something like that. So 
I really started to notice the contrast of the choices everyone else, all my women doctor friends were making in their lives, <laughs> like busy, 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 busy. And I thought I had to do all those things too. But somehow when I was kind of wiped out of the mix of being able to contribute, all those other things got taken care of. Like my preschooler got to school somehow, you know, the dishes got done, the notes got written, the grades got submitted, blah, blah, blah. So it just made me start to see that like everything really is a choice. If that when I go back to my life, I get to choose what it is I want to go back to and that everything is optional. So that was really, <laughs> that's my story of how I got into life coaching. Yeah, that's huge. So when you went back, what did that, like, did you change what you did when you did go back? Well, I had to a little bit at first because I still had, you know, a little bit of the pots. And so I had to sit more and have the patients and students come to me more. I certainly didn't have like the stamina or strength and my arms couldn't do certain things. Like it was a miracle that I eventually got to, back to driving a car because turning that steering wheel takes a lot of strength, <laughs> a lot of PTOD to get to that. Um, and so also I think just when I was there, my attitude was very different. Everyone was like, oh my gosh, look at this, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, did you wipe your bum today? you know, it's totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's like not a big deal. Like whatever you're worried about, it's like not that big of a deal. It's like paperwork, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, and then I just wouldn't say yes to everything all the time. I really did start to say no. Like I'm a course director of several clerkships and there was a brand new clerkship that was opening up in, in family medicine in fourth year. Well, it was a boot camp, and they wanted to include all the specialties, including family medicine. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm not taking on another clerkship. Like, and I just, it never would have occurred to me ever to say that I wouldn't do that because that's what I do. Like I'm the family medicine faculty advisor at my university. Of course I run the clerkships that are in family medicine. Of course I would contribute. And, but I just realize all the things I have to give up every time I say yes to something. It's a lot of no's to myself, to my husband, to my family. So I started practicing all these no's and kind of paring back to like what's essential. And it's still, let me just say, a huge need that I need to work on, just like all women physicians, right? We like have way too much on our plate. So even if you take half of what's on your plate off, you're still probably going to be overwhelmed. <laughs> so yeah. it's still a constant battle of all the things like, what can I get rid of? What can I get rid of? But that's really one of the main lessons and something that's really helpful for me. Which, you know, so it's really interesting. So before your accident, before that trip to Tahiti, were you feeling that you were burnt out or overwhelmed in any way? Totally overwhelmed. <laughs> totally okay. overwhelmed. Drowning all the time, like most of us feel, right? Like yeah. there just aren't enough hours in the day. I actually just got back from this conference, the American Conference for Physician Health put on by the AMA, Mayo, and Stanford. And they, one of the speakers, they kind of summarized all of the data that there exists about physicians, physician wellness, students, trainees, and our wellness. And they said, it's physically impossible to read the amount of reading that a medical student is assigned. There just hmm. aren't enough minutes or hours in the day <laughs> to do your coursework and do all the reading. And I think that that's similar for physicians, right? Because say you're in clinic for one day, for your either four hours or eight hours, and then you have another 
two hours kind of on average of charting that you have to do that day. Plus you have to take care of the kids. Plus you have to do this and do that and all your CME or whatever else, all the other things are that you have to do. It's kind of physically impossible with all the things that we've agreed to do or that society expects us to do or that the medical culture expects us to do and sleep out eight hours a day and, Mm -hmm. you know, do all the things we're expected to do. So we have to be very purposeful to not be overwhelmed and start drowning. And we really do have choices because we could fall off the planet tomorrow and the world would go on. Like we just think that we can't possibly say no, but the world really would go on without us, whether we broke our arms or whether we got influenza or whether we got gastroenteritis or like whatever it is, the world will go on without you. So I feel like that's one of the main lessons is like, you might as well start now because we're always waiting for some other time it's like the arrival mm-hmm. fallacy, right? Like I'll be happy when there will be time when, like for me, it was when my kid's out of preschool or when this course is over or when the summer comes or when there's always something, but it's like, no, it's really your main control for happiness, joy, everything is now. So we really kind of have to start now and you, you get keenly aware of that whenever there's a crisis in your life, right? Like if a family member is sick, a family member dies, you get this keen Mm -hmm. sense of awareness of time and the preciousness of time. And then it kind of starts to fade a little bit and we forget. And even so for me, because my accident was a couple years ago, I do find myself going back to that way too many yeses, overwhelmed, drowning type of feeling. But I'm current, I'm always like trying to bring myself back, you know, like, remember, remember. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So anyway. It's a constant process, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I was just going to add something to like your idea of the world goes on without you. I think the other piece that I often talk to people about is if you give so much that you drive yourself into the ground and you make yourself sick or your marriage falls apart or, Mm -hmm. you know, all the, the negative consequences that can happen. Nobody will turn around and thank you for doing that. Right. Like there's no societal recognition that you've given this huge sacrifice to the field of medicine or the meetings or, you know, whatever they are. Mm -hmm. The only person that recognizes the sacrifice is you. Yeah. I was recently at a conference where they showed it as, as sort of your cell phone battery, you know, when you get this mm. warning where it's at like 20%. Okay. Look out. Okay. Now it's at 10%. Now you're really in trouble. And it's kind of a metaphor for my life because I'm very often functioning with like one or two or 3% on my phone. And I'll just text my husband like, okay, I'm going down. The phone's going down. You can't reach me. Like, don't even try. <laughs> but I feel like that represents so much the woman physician life, right? Yeah. Cause it's like, I don't even have time to find a plug. You know, like, where is my plug to recharge if I can't even do it for my phone, which in this day and age is like essential to function. I can't even get into my EHR if I don't have my phone because it's a duo login. And so if I don't have time to find that to plug, like that's the equivalent of what we're all doing to ourselves. We're all functioning on that low power mode, 10%, like in the red. And there's no reason for that. (laughs) And so let's talk about what the impacts of always functioning on that low power mode are. Well, I mean, I think the battery gets hot and it starts to get ready to explode. <laughs> I mean, my old phone actually like came into two pieces. It, and that's what made me, this is so, the, the analogy I haven't really thought about before we're talking, but 
um, you know, it physically separated into two pieces, which is kind of what my body did too. <laughs> but, and then I had to stop because once it's fully broken, my phone, I had to stop everything that I was doing and go get another one because I couldn't work. Like I right. really couldn't work. But so it's like, what does it take? You know, how long are you going to function in that red? And how long does it take before you stop and think, okay, I really do have to recharge. And it's, it's just like, there was a nice recent article about systole and diastole, and you really can't have systole without enough space for diastole, otherwise it's not full. And then at this conference that I was just at, Colin West, who's one of the leading researchers in physician wellness and burnout, gave an analogy in the final closing keynote speech where he talked about sarcomeres and like the starling curve. And it's like, okay, well, if your little sarcomeres aren't if they're fully overlapped, you don't contract well. If they're like ideally separated, then they contract optimally. And if you separate them way too far, that's like heart failure, right? They don't contract as well. Yeah. And so they talk about, he talked about the different stresses on the heart and there's sort of like this ideal place where we can function, where we're not completely under stress, we're not overstressed, but we're just optimally serving the world and serving ourselves and that, that analogy that he gave was part of this talk that was entitled something about the similarities between baseball and medicine. And it was all about how baseball people started adopting the idea of sports psychology and how you think about your sport and how you think about yourself in your sport and your potential in your sport really matters. And then they brought in kind of, kind of coaches, basically life coaches, and how that turned things around. He gave a story about Seattle and I don't really follow sports. So, <laughs> but, the, but the analogy was there that he spoke for basically a whole hour about how physicians really need to do the same. Like look at ourselves, look at our own personal lives, look at our profession, look at how they intertwine, look at how we interact with people, look at how we tell the story about what has already happened in our life what's happening now and what we see as our potential. And then, mm -hmm. I mean, he basically, this very mainstream medical meeting encouraged all physicians for optimal performance in their life, personal and professional life, to hire a coach. And I just, I felt like my medical career and my coaching career were separate for so long, you know, and now mm -hmm. that I'm going to the wellness, physician wellness meetings where we now have two randomized controlled trials that show that coaching improves physician wellness. Both were presented there. One is published in JAMA already, and one is under review at a journal. I think we're kind of on this tipping point where there's actually so many of us, because I have about 30 women physician friends who are certified coaches who went through the training that I went through. Mm -hmm. Because it's meaningful to us, our personal experience is very profound. And then now we have data that says this really works. Even if you apply it to a whole bunch of different types of people in different types of practices um, with different issues, right? And even when they're more burned out than an average, it still works. Like you want someone yeah. to listen to what you have to say, to hear your story, to be heard, and then not just agree with you like a friend or spouse, like, yeah, your boss is a jerk, yeah, you know, but like, okay. <laughs> what do you do, you know, and help you find your power. And so I think that was really interesting that this weekend, 
that was a resonating theme throughout everybody's talk. And nobody knows what anybody else is going to talk about. I mean, I gave a, a talk there and it was incredibly well received and people would stop me in the hallways and everywhere I went were like, that was phenomenal. And I'm like, basically kind of coaching, <laughs> but just talking about how my, the theme was really like, you know, you don't have to sacrifice yourself for others. You really don't. The culture of medicine expects so much from us. And I showed in my talk, a picture of me as an intern when I was, I had, was an intern before um, the work hour restrictions in the United States. And so mm -hmm. we worked really long hours and I developed status epilepticus. So mm. I was in seizing for like 12 hours. I was in a coma for a week. I was intubated. And three of the interns in my class, well, no, three of the residents in my residency class seized that year. And Whoa. I mean, yeah. And that, so I found out by going to the neurologist and neurointensive care and all these things that this is something that happens, that healthy young people like me, I had no predisposition that I knew of, um, when put in these types of situations, internship, do develop seizures. And of course they develop, you know, car accidents and all kinds of other things yeah. from deprivation that our culture just kind of expects of us, but we're human just like everyone else. I mean, we're not machines. We're not cogs in a wheel. We're not all these things that people think about or talk about in medicine. We are human too. We need to sleep and eat and go to the bathroom, have lunch. Like who has lunch as a doctor who makes time for these kinds of things? So I think um, people are starting to really, I think the entire field, because people have gotten so overwhelmed or burned out or have moral injury or whatever it is you want to call it, because it's at this crisis point, people are listening and it's more and more okay to speak up. And if you believe that you represent a whole bunch of other physicians who all need the same thing, sometimes we don't want to advocate on behalf of ourselves. Like I need this, I need this. But what about those people coming behind you? You know, what about if your daughter wants to become a physician? What you don't want, like my son, he, when he imitates me being a doctor, he doesn't use a stethoscope. What does he do? Type. He types. <laughs> and he's like, T -t 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 -t, you know, with his hands. And then he says, mommies shouldn't be doctors because they work too much. Mm. And that's not what we want. And that's even after my accident, after I'm trying to do better, you know? Yeah but I still work every single Wednesday night. And so he doesn't think that is a good idea. And so I'm actually finally, I've been talking about it since the accident that I'm gonna, we need to find a way, we need to find a way, we need to find a way, but, and we haven't found the way yet. So I'm just gonna stop and hmm. they're gonna have to find someone else. So hmm. anyway, I'm long-winded. I'll let you ask me some questions, I'll pause. <laughs> well, what are you thinking like going back to, you were talking about the recent RCTs about coaching being beneficial for physicians. So some people listening to this, because uh, for a lot of physicians, life coaching is a foreign concept. Yes. Maybe yes. a little woo woo or. I will um, send you the references. And yeah. I mean, it's JAMA, dude. It doesn't get better than JAMA, you know? <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about what, for somebody who's never experienced coaching, mm -hmm. what coaching is like or or what you get from it and I'm so at the time of this recording I'm nearly certified through the life coach school so next mm -hmm. Monday in one week exactly I'll get my certification <laughs> so you and I have a similar um, background and training from the coaching perspective mm -hmm. and I also kind of got into all this through realizing how powerful having a life coach was mm -hmm. um, 
But do you want to start with kind of what, what do you tell people who are interested in working with you or when you're talking to physicians about coaching, what they would expect from having a life coach? Yeah, this is one of the most confusing things to people, I would say, because it's really hard to explain. Sometimes. Yeah, like at the conference that I was at, you know, the leading researchers, the names that everyone knows from physician burnout, physician wellness, depression, suicidality, like the, you know, that group of authors presented their paper and people stood up at the mics in the audience and they're like, so what is this coaching? <laughs> is it just psychology? Why not just call it psychology? Or why not just have these people see psychiatrists? Why are you not sending them to psychiatrists? Or what, you know, what is, what is the deal? And then the next person who had a study stood up and talked as well. And he also had had this experience that we had that he was transformed through coaching. He became a coach. Then he paired up with the university. They did a randomized control trial. So people asked him as well. So what is it again? <laughs> what, how do you do this? And I would say it's rooted in similar theories as CBT and DBT and clinical psychology and positive psychology. And I recently had this amazing trip to the Dalai Lama and I was, I asked mm -hmm. him, what do we do about physician distress? And he said, training of the mind. And I was like, no, wait, <laughs> so <laughs> physicians are in distress. There's this system that creates a lot of suffering. What do we do? And he's specifically, what do we do? And he says, training of the mind. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> coaching, coaching is the answer. I came halfway across That's the awesome. world and the answer in Buddhism <laughs> and in clinical psychology and CBT and everywhere is the, the theory that your thoughts really affect how you see the world, mm -hmm. right? Your beliefs about the world influence what you create in your life. And so we look at what it is you're thinking like I just said, when someone calls me for coaching, I just say, okay, what's going on? And it's very, cause people say, well, what's your curriculum? What's your, this, we have all these tools, right? We have all of these things we can apply in different situations, but I don't say, Hey, here's this tool. Uh, cause what if you don't want that tool? I say, Hey, what's right. going on in your life? So they tell me what's going on in their life. And I say, okay. And we look at, you know, so that's one way to look at it, right? Totally. And how does it make you feel? How do you show up when you're thinking that? And then is there any way we could look at this? It would be like a tiny bit less painful, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like if you're like, I have 12 patients on my schedule or if it's, you know, whatever the issues is, or like, you know, since your clients are doing weight loss, it's like, okay, say they're 250 pounds or let's just say 200 pounds. I mean, whatever number you pick, it doesn't matter. What do you think about that? Yeah. And what you think about that might be very different, right? And especially for women, because there's a lot of women whose weight is like, 175, say for instance, and they're thinking these damning thoughts, these horrible, you know, self-hatred, very just thoughts that don't serve you. And when you're thinking that, if you're thinking something like, I'm so heavy, how do I let myself get this way? I'm so ashamed. Then what are the actions that are going to come from that? Right? It's not exactly. good. Yeah. And so if you can say, you know, it's the same exact weight, and if you're in a group of women, there might be a lot of women that are like, are you freaking kidding me? I killed to be 175 pounds, right? That's their thought. And also like, you really look amazing or whatever. So what if you thought something a little bit different about that weight that would serve you a little bit better? And it's the same with your number of clients on your schedule. It's the same with your mother-in-law. It's the same, like she's going to be whoever she's going to be. You know, you can't change her, but what you can change is yourself and how you react to her. 
and how much time you spend with her and all this stuff. So we kind of help them through their thinking, come up with their own strategies using coaching tools as like a framework, but I don't ever say, oh, okay, well, why don't you just eat this? You know, or why don't you just stay away from your mother-in-law or why don't you just quit your job? Because if, as soon as I start, to, if I were to start to say, do this, people naturally, human nature is to resist, right? If I'm like, why don't you do this? They'll be like, no, and they'll give me all their excuses. So they have to come up with what works for them. And we're there as an accountability partner, sort of like a wise mentor, someone with some experience and some tools. I don't know, long explanation, but that's kind of how I see it. And I think too, like we're there as like, like an objective mirror to their thoughts, right? Yeah. Like, and I'm sure you can speak to this too, in that um, if I'm working on my own thoughts and I'm doing like journaling and looking at stuff, I figure stuff out far more efficiently if I'm working with a coach who says, hey, do you see that this is what you're thinking? Or just ask me a question that then shows me that mm-hmm. what I'm thinking is like uncovers something that I, I've never been able to uncover just by working through it on my own. Yes, because we are so immersed in our story. It's the truth to us. Like this is the way it is. And someone who's not in our house, in our workplace, in our life, doesn't know our husband, our boss, or this or that, they can look at it and be like, wow, why are you choosing to look at it that way? That sure is looking at it as a victim mentality. Like, why are you trying to have no power in this situation? Let's look at it in a way that gives you back a little bit of your power. So I, it's really incredibly valuable. You can, do, you can learn a lot of skills that you can use on your own. But I do think that having that other person there that really shows you your mind and shows you what it's thinking and what, whether that serves you or not is so helpful because it's, it's so helpful for me too to realize that I am not my thoughts. Like I yeah. can think all kinds of stuff that doesn't serve me and that's okay. It's just like my heart beats, my lung breathes, my kidneys filter urine. My brain's job is to come up with all kinds of thoughts. That's what it does. But I can kind of more purposely redirect those thoughts to create the life of my dreams. And in this past year, I mean, I've been able to create so many amazing things because I believe, I've started to believe it's a possibility, right? Mm -hmm. And just opening your mind to something might be possible. Like for me this year, it's like, okay, it might be possible. I'm just going to stop working those Wednesday nights or whatever it is. It's possible that... And then I start telling myself things. It's possible that I could do this. It's possible I could do this. And then I start doing them. And it's just incredibly helpful. Incredibly, like I can't, it's hard to convey the power of it to someone who hasn't done it. But as an example, I'll say, for instance, like at this conference that I spoke at just a couple days ago, one of my clients found out that I was there and she, because I was coaching her from, from the, it was the lunchtime session. So I scheduled to talk with her. She was like, you're in a hotel room. What are you doing? So I told her what I was doing and she was like, oh my God, you're only three states away. I'm coming. Where are you? And I was like, that's insane. (laughs) You're going to drive three states. She's like, no, really. Let me see if I can rearrange my schedule. She hung up. She drove three states to come meet me in person. That's how powerful this is. She has lost 90 pounds. Wow. She has, she told me in person, she has more in the US, we call them RVUs, like the work units, you know, at work, she's working more, like able to charge more. 
but she's, her hours there are less and she never charts outside of her office hours anymore where she used to work two hours per night and weekends and she gets along better with her family and she gets along better with like all this other stuff all through coaching and you think really that's bs right how could you really not chart from home how could you really get along better with your family how could and you know what it is it's not me like she attributes it to me but it's because she believes she can she believes there's a possibility she could not chart from home. She believes it's possible she could weigh 100 pounds less. So she starts taking actions towards that because she believes in it. And she's just like one random example from this weekend. And when you see that over and over and over, you're like, this stuff works. It's crazy yeah. how amazing, how powerful our own minds are. Everything that exists in the world right now came from our minds. Okay, not the things in nature, but you know, everything else. The fact that we're talking to each other across countries yeah <laughs> like, all came from someone's mind so like what do you, i hear i need to look because someone told me there's a special um about bill gates mind on netflix right now but like you just think of what you can think of and then you can start taking action towards creating that in your life like you want to find love okay if you think it's possible you could find love then we start working towards that if you think it's possible you could look cute in a dress it's possible maybe one day you could feel good about how you look in a dress or it's possible you could not chart from home. Then let's start doing that. So mm -hmm. I think that's kind of the magic is opening up your mind to possibility and then seeing that those possibilities become reality. Exactly. Like for yeah. instance, I'll say um, one of the things I wanted to make a reality because I had this big Tahiti tragedy story <laughs> is that I'm going to go back bigger and more triumphant and like, I'm going to bring my friends. I'm going to bring other women physicians. We're going to do this. It's going to be amazing. So I made a retreat for women physicians, at the four seasons Bora Bora. And oh, wow. one of the women who came, she like, I didn't know her really, you know, and we're on, on the last night, we're on this beautiful cruise and sunset, amazing champagne. And she's like, what's your business model? I want to do this. I want to work for you. And I was like, well, I don't really have a business model. I'm just, I just want to <laughs> make amazing experience for people and transform lives. But I was like, but that's what I taught you, right? Is that you can choose whatever you want to create in your life. And you know what? She's in life coach school certification right now. And she's coming with me to Bora Bora in December. And she's working for me. Wow. Like, cool. I'm just saying whatever you think, if it starts to occur to you, it might be possible. We usually like then go back in our cave and we're like, yeah, we'll go back to our usual life. But you know what? You can hold on to a little bit of your usual life if you want and create those other things that you dream are possible. Like you had to create this dream that you could have a podcast. Like that seems kind of crazy at first, right? But in, <laughs> if you know me, it seems entirely crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it's the same for me. I so like I teach like, in medical school. So when students started first finding out I had a podcast, they were yeah. like, what's your pseudonym? And I'm like, uh, my name. Smith, it's my real name. And they're like, what? you're coming out, like you're going to let people know you have a podcast. I'm like, yeah, what's the big deal? Like you just have to believe that it's possible yeah. that you can do this and then it matters. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're on Google, you have a microphone, <laughs> you're recording, you're testing. I'm like, and then for me, for instance, like now people all over the world have listened to my podcast, except for Antarctica is the only continent but that I haven't um, had someone listen on. <laughs> However, um, I just was at this recent meeting and someone said to me, Hey, blah, blah, blah. They were just randomly talking. I, my friend lives in Antarctica. I was like, you're kidding. Okay. They have to go listen to my podcast. Cause then I've covered <laughs> the world. <laughs> you know, so, I, the way uh, I like to think about the benefit of coaching, and this is partly from how, how profound it was. Cause so when I, 
hired a life coach. It was, I was so just burnt out. It wasn't even about weight or anything. I just, Mm -hmm. you know, just dreaded my days and dragged all the paperwork with me Mm -hmm. over the weekend, right? Like that constant Mm -hmm. thing. And what I walked away from those experiences with is the knowledge that when things feel really overwhelming, your temptation is to change everything, right? Like change the Mm -hmm. circumstance that you're in. Mm -hmm. And yet, if you make tiny little Mm -hmm. minute changes, so either just a small change in exactly how you're doing something, or now what I believe strongly in is just a small shift in how you're thinking about it, it has such huge downstream ripple effects. Like at the beginning, it feels like this is just too minor. It couldn't possibly work. Mm -hmm. But like you said, like just changing how you think that you're a busy day at work can have you walking out on time with your notes done versus being behind no notes and feeling Mm -hmm. totally stressed out and totally burnt out. So you go home and you, you know, overeat to try and deal with Mm -hmm. the stress and Mm -hmm. it can entirely change your day just by changing what you think. Yeah. And Yes. And I feel like what you're speaking to there is like the power of the compound effect, right? Where you think, oh, one little change isn't going to make a difference, but it's like that one change on top of another change on top of another change. It's like going to the gym one day doesn't give you big muscles, but if you go to the gym one day and the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day, like by the end of six months, you're a whole different person. Same thing with the cookie. One cookie doesn't make a difference. It's the same thing with one thing about your charting, like letting your nurse or MA interrupt you in the middle of a chart. It's just like one thing. Okay. It's not that big a deal. You start having a conversation, but the human brain is very distractible, especially mine. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. I need to focus. And so if you can, whatever those little things are in the office, like if you tell your person, Oh, if I'm typing, could you wait till I'm done typing to tell me something? Or could we batch my phone calls? Or could we like these little tiny experiments? If you just get like another minute and another minute and another minute, you get 1% better every day then like at the end of six months, it's crazy how different it is. And you almost don't even recognize yourself. You know, it's kind of for me, cause I work at a medical school. It's like the first year med students, they think they know nothing. And then they just keep going and going to like, we didn't learn anything. We just studied books all year. And then we just had the new first years come in. So those old first years or second years. And they're like, holy crap, we learned a lot that year. You yeah. know, because the other people, like they don't even know the word metformin or they don't know what one POQ day means. Or they, you know, it's like, you just get immersed in who you are. Same with little children who grow. You know, when someone hasn't seen my little boy, sees him, they're like, holy crap, he's different. It's the same with coaching <laughs> and, and these small compound effect. It's like the compound interest, of course, with money. It's like little bits in and then pays off a lot later. So yes, absolutely. absolutely. So what would be your best tips so if somebody's listening to this feeling like overwhelmed, doesn't know where to start? What would be your best tips for where somebody should start? To okay, feel like this they have is a handle? so, so good. You just start by starting, hmm. right? You don't ever tell yourself, I don't know where to start. You say, what if I did know? Like, That's what fantastic. would be the very next best step? What is one step? And I did this at the conference I was at. <laughs> I was like, what is one thing you could do when you get back home to change something at your institution? One thing, just pick one. Don't pick a hundred things. Don't try and lose a hundred pounds all at once. Like what is it? You start by starting. So what is one thing you could do? Like if you're trying to get a hold of your finances, find out your passwords for your accounts. If you're trying to 
um, you know, whatever it is, if you're trying to do something with weight loss, like subscribe to this podcast, for instance, and listen to it every week. Decide you're going to journal every day. I mean, of course, I'm going to tell you that you should hire a coach because <laughs> I truly believe in it. I hire coaches and I'm coached all the time. I truly believe in it. But say someone's like, I don't have any money or I don't. Well, first of all, of course, that's a story that they're telling themselves. It's the, by far the best investment I've ever made in my life is in coaching. Mm-hmm. It changed everything about my life, about my relationships, about my mother the way I see my child and who I am when I'm with him and what's possible and how he's my greatest teacher. He's not my biggest challenge. He's my greatest teacher. So it's a, it's again, an invaluable investment, but start by starting. If for some people that, you know, again, I would never tell anyone what to do for, so for some people that might be subscribing to a podcast for some people, it might be like a daily thought download for some people. It might be who knows, but I would say, of course, hire somebody <laughs> to help you because yeah. it matters. It's like crazy how it up levels it. You're like, oh, I know how to self-coach. I've done this. I've been doing this. I've been listening to this podcast. Okay. Hire someone just once, see how it goes for three months or whatever the program is you sign up for. And you just see how much difference you've made in that three months. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah especially I'd say like if you're at the point where you're feeling really overwhelmed and don't know where to start, that kind of confusion, overwhelm cycle that your brain gets into can just get you stuck so much and having a coach to say, okay, well, like what, like you said, what would you do if you knew what to do and, Mm -hmm. and start kind of teasing you, the, your brain thought patterns out of that confusion and overwhelm Mm -hmm. cycle, um, is powerful. And sometimes I'll say that it can even be helpful. Like the coach can help you because you do know, you're just mm-hmm. kind of swimming in this overwhelm and drowning and feeling powerless. And it's overwhelming that way. But if you even can say like, well, what would you tell a friend? Because we all have dear friends who are women physicians, right? And if you had a dear friend who was a woman physician who was struggling with blah, 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 what would you tell her? Okay, speak that kindly to yourself, right? Because we don't speak that kindly to ourselves. We're always saying these hard, horrible things. And mm-hmm. so the coach can help you to find those words that are kinder and gentler. And it's not like you go from, oh, I'm a blob to, oh, I love myself. No, but you go to like, I'm a human and we're all human and we're all perfectly Mm -hmm. imperfect and it's okay just the way I am. And this body serves me because without this body, I'm not in the world at all. So here I am, you know, like just kind of going to the more neutral space, the coach helps guide you towards where you want to be. And I have to, I agree with you with your comments you made about the investment. I have not regretted the money I've spent on coaching ever. And I would argue those investments I've made over the years have probably made it so I could earn more money. Like, you know, instead of the temptation was to like pull back from my clinical Mm -hmm. practice because I was so burnt out. Doing that coaching has allowed me to stay in and actually probably my kids are older too, but like Mm -hmm. increase what I'm doing but feel better about it. Yeah. I think it can allow you if you want to, because different yeah, people want, want different things. So if they want to stay yeah. in medicine, it can allow you to stay in medicine and it can allow you not to leave, or it can allow you to stay in part-time instead of leaving altogether. It can allow you to ask for more money at your work, right? Because mm-hmm. you're probably worth a lot more than you're being paid because there is a gender pay gap. It's just real. And I know that I'm being paid less than everyone at my university, but I'm starting to have conversations about that now that I never would have had before. So I think like it, it really is invaluable in the ways that you see the, the, 
sort of how it comes back to you. And um, like the person who drove across three states to see me, she's like, I would tell anybody here, I would pay double what I paid. Like, this is the best thing I ever bought in my life. And then the other women physicians I know who have done this too, they're like, this was literally the best decision of my life. And I think because we've made a lot of good decisions to be a physician, right? We decided to study. We decided to, you know, put ourselves through all these things. Many of us married people we truly love. We have children that we love. And for someone to say something like, this was the best decision of my life, it's really powerful. And they're not joking. You know, Mm -hmm. it really transforms the way you see everything. I wish we could do this earlier in life. Like I wish all children had access to the idea that you, like when you say like, Billy hit me, Billy made me mad. No, Billy didn't make you mad. Billy hit you, but you can walk away and you get to control how you think and feel, right? It's not Billy's fault. It's not your boss's fault. It's not the system's fault. It's like you get to choose what you want to think and feel about stuff. So that's really powerful. Yeah. Awesome. Where can people find you? I, they can Google my name if they want to, Sunny Smith, but, (laughs) oh, actually there's an actress named Sunny Smith who showed up in our simulated patients thing. So I'm not her. She's an IMDB of like the actresses. That's not me. (laughs) Um, And there's a skateboard shop named Sunny Smith. So that's not me either. So I guess they should go to um, my actual businesses. You can put Sunny Smith MD. I think I'm probably the only one of those, but empowering women physicians and that's the name of my podcast. And you can go to empoweringwomenphysicians.com too. Excellent. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat today, Sunny. It was lovely to meet you and talk with you. And I hope I'll be seeing a lot more of you. And I'm sure I will be. Absolutely. Okay. We'll talk thanks. To you later. Bye. Bye. All right. I really enjoyed that opportunity to chat with Sunny. I think she's an amazing physician and life coach and has a lot of experience. Check her out at empoweringwomenphysicians.com and check out her podcast, Empowering Women Physicians Podcast, which is available on iTunes and other podcast platforms. If you have any questions or comments about the interview, please post them on the website, weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca forward slash Dr. hyphen Smith, or send me an email at info at weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca. As always, I love hearing from you. I love to hear about what you're struggling with so I can help use it to develop new podcast episodes that most address your needs. So make sure you send me notes about what's going on with you. I also love to hear what's working for you. So it again helps me develop these episodes so that they're most helpful for you. If you're enjoying this podcast, please remember to hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening. And if you could take the time to leave a review, I would really appreciate it. They help podcasts get found by other people that might benefit from them. And along those lines, if you could take the time to share this podcast with somebody you know who you think might enjoy it, I would, again, really appreciate that. Thank you so much for listening. I will talk to you later. Have a fantastic week. And now for a quick disclaimer, this podcast contains general education information on weight loss for physicians. I'm not providing medical advice and listening to this podcast does not create a physician-patient relationship. This podcast does not replace a need for consultation with a licensed professional and no information should be relied upon unless you have obtained specific advice or treatment from myself or another physician. Please review the terms and conditions located at www.weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca before continuing.